Welcome back to the FDIC podcast, where we talk about the world of banking and how it fits into our lives. I'm Brian Sullivan at the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. And today we return to the issue of technology and how technology connects our banks to us. In a recent podcast, the FDIC's Chief of Staff, Brandon Milhorn, was very candid that banks and especially smaller community banks are at a crossroads today. Either embrace and adopt innovative new technologies or else. If you can use technology to cut your cost of operations, if you can use technology to reach new customers with new products and services, you can continue to compete in the marketplace, right? It's not as easy as walking down to a branch anymore if I'm a customer, right? It used to be you'd walk down to the branch, you'd go in, you'd get your, uh, your product, your checking account, your loan. Uh, you'd do that in the bank and you'd go home with your – now the competition is incredible, and it's not just from banks. Uh, there are non-banks in this mix, too. So today we're going back to the future to talk about innovative technologies that are transforming our banking ecosystem, the way banks operate, and indeed the way we bank. Joining us is the first ever newly minted chief innovation officer at the FDIC, Sultan Megji. Sultan, welcome. Hi, Brian. Great to be here. So, Sultan, you have a mile-long track record uh, of working with government from the private sector, and now here you are on the inside. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, I'm from a cornfield in the middle of Illinois uh, and have been in uh, tech now for, you know, 25, dangerously close to 30 years, actually. Um, and I go all the way back to working on artificial intelligence in the early 90s. I worked on uh, the first web browser a little bit. I I built a lot of the plumbing that, that we use for the Internet um, and then went uh, went corporate, uh, spent some time in New York Stock Exchange, did a uh, did a lot of work there but before, during and after 9-11. And then uh, for the last decade have been splitting my time between uh, policy work here in DC, uh, a professor at uh, Washington University, and then uh, running an artificial intelligence company focused on the banking sector, which is how I first got, uh, got connected to the FDIC and started working with the team here. And so now you've been given the, the keys to the car to drive the FDIC's tech lab, FDI Tech. What is, for those who don't know, what is FDI Tech and, and what's your new role as you see it as the chief innovation officer? Well, you know, across the banking sector for the last few years, we've seen such tremendous disruption. We've seen new players. We've seen new financial products. We've seen all these things happen. And one of the things that we need to do as a, as a community of people in the banking sector is, is bring that innovation across the entire ecosystem. And so for me, FDI tech and this role is very much about bringing that innovation into FDIC and then using that to, to help the entire ecosystem. Everything from the consumers and the average Americans to small business to the regulatory agencies and especially inside of FDIC. We've got so much amazing technology out there that can be brought to bear to do everything from you know, streamlining processes to doing new and interesting things to looking at what's coming in the future and getting ahead of that. And so, you know, at a, at a vision level, this is what FDI Tech is about. It's about wrapping all of that together into a series of strategic programs that we can use to move the needle on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd like your take on a new study that the FDIC came out with uh, called How America Banks. This study found 
that more than a third of U.S. households use their mobile devices as the primary way they bank. Uh, folks use their phones more than bank tellers, ATMs, or even their home computers. And that percentage appears to be growing every day. What does this tell you? Well, you know, there's a great study, and it just speaks to the, the amazing work that FDIC does. I, I really like that study, uh, even before I took this job. <laughs> In a not great way, we've seen that transformation accelerate over the last almost year now as we've been dealing with COVID. Um, but what, what it has shown is there is a massive change that's hit other markets over the last decade that is now being compressed into a much shorter amount of time in the banking sector. So if you think about when people first installed Amazon on their smartphone, that was probably before they installed their local bank's app on their smartphone, mm. right? And so in the last year in particular, but over the last two or three years especially, we've seen a tremendous acceleration to using digital technologies on the consumer side, but also across the ecosystem. And so, you know, it's it's very apparent as you look at things like PPP, where a tremendous amount of technology was applied to that, but a lot of organizations were still just having people do the work and, you know, sometimes working three shifts to do it. Um, and so we can't avoid the fact that there's a lot of this change happening and it's taking, you know, really a decade or more of technical transformation and compressing it into a much smaller amount of time. So that's kind of my first comment on that. The second is that in the very near future, if not already, every single financial services product available must be available through a mobile app for a consumer. And then you go to business banking. Same thing has to be true. You look at commercial banking, same thing has to be true. And so, you know, for us as agencies that are focused on, you know, this core mandate of FDIC of, of keeping this safe and sound, we have to change how we think about these technologies and not just make sure that they're being implemented correctly and securely and in a resilient manner, but also make sure that they're, they're non-discriminatory and we're really making sure that the, every single American has access to all of these technologies. And it's going to end up being a tremendous opportunity for us to really, you know, fix some problems in the systems, but also be very innovative about things we can do in the future. And so, you know, the notion that people are going to go back to the traditional way of banking that existed 10, 20, 30 years ago, I think the likelihood of that happening is incredibly low. What right. we're going no, to end up seeing. Yeah, I don't think so. I think, you know, there will still be branches, but they're going to take on a different character, right? It's not going to be go in and hand off a check, right? And, and have a 10 minute conversation with, you know, your friends in the bank. It will be go in and get a coffee or, you know, go in and sit down with an advisor and have a, a very focused conversation about specific needs that you as a consumer or you as a business owner, you know, might have. Um, you know, we're seeing, you know, everything from ITMs to, to other activities happening inside of branches. But I still think overall, we're going to see a, a pretty serious move to, to digital banking for, for every core function. Right, right. Well, you had earlier mentioned uh, PPP, the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program. It, uh, is, is our global pandemic driving innovation in the banking sector? It is one of the drivers. Um, you know, I think, you know, one that's one, and that's a big one, uh, but there are others. We've seen tremendous technology changes, you know, amazing new technologies from artificial intelligence 
to deeper analytics, to alternative data. These are all things that are entering the system that are moving very quickly. And, you know, the, the banking sector really has to keep up with those. It's, it's not an optional discussion. And then finally, we have a, you know, a cybersecurity resilience discussion we have to have. You know, banking systems have to be available 365, 24-7. They have to be resilient. They have to be able to respond to cyber attacks quickly and efficiently. And this is another pressure on the system. I'm sure some of the listeners have heard about the SolarWinds hack um, right. and, and some of that. You know, these kinds of things are becoming more and more focused. You know, fraud in the banking system through malicious actors is not going down, certainly. And so you see all of these pressures. And it's almost a perfect storm where all of them are happening at the same time. So we have to figure out how to safely navigate these pressures right. as, a, as an ecosystem. Well, what, what are the biggest challenges you see in the banking world from a technology point of view? Is it the safety and security issues you just mentioned? I don't know if I would say there is a biggest challenge. I think there are big challenges, and that's certainly one of them. We cannot take too seriously the threats of malicious cyber actors. That is, that is absolutely a huge threat to the overall system. Uh, second from that is, you know, there are some institutions that have incredibly modern technologies that are highly resilient, very efficient, innovative. They, they evolve quickly and they, and, they do, and, they, and they do all the things they need to do in, in almost a hands-off kind of way. And then there are other institutions who, you know, uh, don't have those. And, uh, and, that, and that gap that is, is becoming a bigger challenge from a technology perspective. You know, there are the, the things we do with technology in 2021 and the things we did with technology, you know, three, five, 10 years ago are, are, are totally different. The other biggest thing is that we really need to pay attention to is the inequity in, in the system in some cases and consumer access to financial services. We could do a lot better job with that. And that's an opportunity for technology as well. Right. Well, our banking and financial ecosystem, as we've been talking about in this country, seems to be evolving at an accelerating pace. And these shifting sands have some real implications for uh, lower income unbanked families living in underserved communities. You're a self-described AI guy. How can we tap into artificial intelligence and quantum computing, all these things I barely understand? How can all these technologies address these big issues we're struggling with, issues related to equity and access and, and fairness? Well, that's a huge question, Brian, and we could probably talk about that for a few hours. Um, I, I'll highlight a few topics. The first is we need to make sure that artificial intelligence is being used for good and that the preconceived notions or the bad behaviors that might exist currently aren't being built into artificial intelligence. And so one of the big things that you'll hear me talk a lot about moving forward is transparency and explainability in artificial intelligence or any algorithm. You know, If you have a computer system make a decision about credit worthiness or something like that, the, the system has to be able to tell you why it made that decision. You know, different communities use banking in different ways. And so I really worry if we try to use technology to create one size fits all solutions. That's not, I think, an effective way to do things. And I think we've seen it in the fintech community. I think we've seen it in other countries where different kinds of banking products make more sense for different communities. Right. And and allowing artificial intelligence to help us really understand 
the people in the system better and what they need from the system. You know, one of the reasons the fintech ecosystem has taken off so much and why the tech companies' non-banking banking products have taken off so much is because the consumers are looking for different things. And the checking account from 1987 is not what someone necessarily, like not, not what every family needs today. And so we're seeing that, uh, that market demand push for new and interesting things. And AI is a great way for us to get a better handle on what that is and do that. And then I think finally, you know, the evolution of risk in the system is evolving very rapidly. Everything from bad cybersecurity actors to fraud to, uh, to, to money laundering. You know, there are a lot of great places where artificial intelligence can be implemented to catch bad behavior faster. And so we can get in front of things instead of just responding to them after the fact. And so getting predictive and getting future looking about about bad behavior is going to be a great opportunity for artificial intelligence. And then just because you said quantum computing and I love talking about quantum computing, I will say that the, the biggest thing that I worry about are bad guys using quantum computers to hack into our computer systems. And so anything we can do to protect against that, I'm going to be uh, interested in hearing about. The FDIC has never had a chief innovation officer before. You're blazing a new trail as we wind this conversation up. Um, what will be your general approach to this new job of yours? You know, there are a couple of things that you're going to hear me talk about and, and, and do initially from, from, you know, from today, from day one. And the first is listening. You know, there are an, there are an amazing group of people inside of FDIC. I've been incredibly impressed with the people I've been able to interact with thus far and in my career interfacing with the FDIC. And I really want to listen to them, listen to the experience, listen to, to what they see on a daily basis, understand, you know, the things that make their life great and the things that make their life maybe not so quite great. The second thing is really understand the overall ecosystem, understand what our partners, what, are, what the banks we work with need, what the community needs, so that as we build these big strategic plans to, to move, move the needle on some of these problems, we're doing things that, that help the entire ecosystem. You know, We're not going to do things that just help one subset of the community. We have to make this a win for everyone. And then the third thing is... I am, uh, as you guys know, I come from startups. I come from you know fairly uh, fairly fast paced environments. Um, you know, I'm going to be moving quickly, and I'm going to be looking for partners in the ecosystem that also want to move quickly to really do some things. And so, you're going to see cadence of discussions and, and dialogues with with me in my office. You know, not annually. Uh, maybe not even monthly, maybe, you know, not quarterly, not monthly, but, you know, I'm probably going to get annoying for some people in the organization. <laughs> well, Sultan, we've just scratched the surface. Congratulations on your new role at the FDIC. I'm hoping that we can have you back early and often to continue to look at some of the issues we've just touched upon today. Is that a deal? Absolutely. Uh, as long as you and I uh, don't get into uh, various sports teams, I'll be back as much as you want. <laughs> All right, that's a deal. Sultan Megji, the FDIC's newly minted chief innovation officer, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Brock. <laughs>